The Say Something Podcast is brought to you by MomentWithMorris.com and BlackBlueprints.com. That's BlackBlueprints with a Z.com. I am Jermaine Morris here with the one and only Mr. Barry Axius. Peace and blessings, family. We are bringing you the Say Something Podcast. Say something, say something, say something. That's right. With myself and Barry get together and talk about everything in the life, in the world, in these streets. In these streets that's so, so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth beat dropping. 2018. Man, that remix, boy. I had to get that little remix and all the people. That have been listening in. They said they love my voice, so I had to just drop a little twist to the in these cold streets. Give them a little something. Get a little something. Well, we address everything going on that not only myself and Barry feel like we need to say something about, but stuff that we feel like everybody needs to say something about. We're hitting you with episode number 37. Come on. Come with it. Come with that Nick Van Exel. Wow. Come with that Metal World Peace. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> coming for 37, huh? 37. I forgot all about young Nick Van Exel. Yeah, that gold, former Gold State Warrior. Former. Former the, Dallas Maverick. Former, former Laker. Laker. Uh, was he it? was like Nick. He made like around. A few years was the movement. Yeah, look, always looked sleepy. Yeah, but he was a ball player. <laughs> young yeah. Cincinnati uh, Bearcat. He was he was out there. But yeah, that Van Exel, that, 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 that metal world piece. I rocked rock with Van Exel, man. Yeah. Did he ever get a title? No. Nick Van Ex. Now, I don't believe he did. But then again, I don't know. There's a lot of dudes who got him at the end of their career sitting the bench somewhere. So I'm not going to say no. But you never know. We bring you episode 37. 37, man. Getting up there, man. Yeah. We're getting up there. Consistency, baby. It pays the bills. Yes, sir. So much stuff been going on out here. So much in the traffic. <sighs> so... So on so many fronts, the traffic jam of problems nowadays. Man, man. Uh, first and foremost, shout out to everybody out there in Houston and, and in Texas out there coming off of Hurricane Harvey. Yeah, you know. got my daughter out there. Um, I got some fam out there. Some people. My daughter's actually good. She said um, she moved from Long Beach after she graduated Long Beach State to Houston. Um, just making a real full move of adulthood to say, you know, what, I want to do a different thing. I want to challenge myself. So I'm blessed that she's okay yeah. and blessed that she actually said her part of the town didn't get hit. She was lucky because she told yeah. me that if she had got um, hit, devastated, she'd have moved back to California. So I'm happy that, you know, the unfortunate part that other people did get, get affected, but she um, didn't get to deal with that kind of stress, that kind yeah. of level of frustration in the beginning of her stay in Houston, I mean, that would just have been tragic in all shapes, sizes, and forms in so many ways. So she is just kind of like helping and dealing. And she she works for Enterprise, and she told me they can't keep a car yeah, in Enterprise right now. It's it's harsh down there. I got a I got a handful of siblings and cousins and stuff down there. A lot a lot of Texas folks, and uh, most made it through unscathed. Some was hit extremely yeah, hard. Yeah, that's crazy, right? Like one side. Okay, folks was good. Then the other side, totally yeah, devastated. It's just the craziness of Mother Nature. You know, the fact is, is that right before it was where it was scheduled to hit, you know, winds was you know, hundred plus miles per hour. It just kind of shifted, and and you can say that somebody was lucky, or you can say that somebody was unlucky. You know, and it's just that simple. Uh, I had a brother on one side of town, nothing at all. Uh, sister who was slightly touched 
another sister hit really heavy. So it it's no rhyme or reason. That's just the way. That's just the way it goes. And now you got the folks out in Florida getting ready for Hurricane Irma, yeah. which is hit, which is you know making its way up the islands. And you shouts know, out to all my my Haitian family in Florida, uh, Puerto Rico, and Haiti because. I think some people forget that Haiti's gonna get hit, and when Haiti gets hit, shoot, it usually is like a devastation compared to nothing else. Um, it's a slap, like a real heavy slap. We a, a mildness, a Category Three can probably wipe out Haiti, but you know they're talking about Category Five. I mean, right now it's at four. So yeah, it's it's all to my folks. I got like I said, Haitian family. And I got this family out there and just in that um, relatively area, Florida, Puerto Rico, Haiti, you know, my prayers and, and just, you know, when you're all ready to get some assistance and help, I'm definitely going to come and directly send it to you because I don't trust that Red Cross shit. Yeah, because like that's something that that's very important when it comes to help, because, you know, they have all kind of reports and stuff over the years about how the dollars don't get where they're supposed to go. And about the people who say that they about that life, about helping folks, how they don't come through. Kind of the issue that they had in Houston coming off of the hurricane where the uh, Joel Osteen with the mega church mm-hmm. out there, how uh, where the places were positioned, where people were going to, where they were saying, hey, go to this shelter. Hey, all right, we're going to direct you all off on this side of town. Go over here. Uh, his church, which hold, which is think like any basketball arena in America. So wherever you are, you know, Golden One here in Sac, Staples Center in L.A., they, wherever you are, think along those lines. It holds somewhere, you know, 20,000, 30,000 people. Yeah, we're not talking about your neighborhood little congregation like, you know, Beyonce can perform there, yeah. like huge. And so, you know, they were like, hey, <laughs> you know, you're going to open the doors up. You're going you're gonna to hook us up. Open and, the floodgates of Jesus. Yeah. And, and it was like, hey, we have flooding over here. We, we're not oh, we're not uh, set to, to, to open our doors to the people. You know, we in the same situation. And then there was some dudes who went down there with, they, with the cell phone cameras and they were videotaping the spot. And it was like, uh, ain't flooding over here. Yeah, found out the real. Yeah, and, and then the pressure got put on him. And then, you know, next day he opened up the doors for folks. But I think that that's what we, when we looking at one thing, like saying something to these folks out here who just uh, selling wolf tickets. Well, it's the unfortunate part about tragedy is profit. And the unfortunate thing about tragedy, there's also that glaring way of seeing the people or um, person for who they really are and their intentions and how well are their intentions set up, especially when you think about um, places like the church, you know, who a lot of folks feel is a sanctuary for individuals to, you know, come in and if, if they need shelter that they can go and this place, but folks got to constantly remember that these churches, most of them, a majority of them, especially these mega churches. I mean, when you hear mega, you got to think about, you know, profits. You got to think about business. You got to think about corporation. Yeah. Um, that don't pay taxes. Exactly. And in the same sense, understand that makeup that they've made you believe is them is not them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what they stand for, what they say, what they speak, it's really not their reality. You know what I mean? So not only Joel Osteen, but we just let's look at the framework of how it seems that every time we have these tragic moments, you got those same fine um, groups and organizations like the Red Cross that you got to bring up. Red Cross, donate to them. 
they make all this amount of money do do towards donations and then you're asking yourself okay well how is one first the city still under siege two how are these people still needing assistance and three where does actually this money go like yeah. how does this money get um distributed and who actually gets it i've heard a lot of different stuff that there's been a lot of um black folk that felt that they've been um looked past that they haven't been rescued um before other individuals you know you don't know if that's to, to be true you don't know if that's the emotions running from folks yeah i'm not there but it doesn't seem so far out you again see red cross getting these millions of dollars what comes to my mind is they had um close to a billion dollars 500 million dollars and they only made like about six homes in in haiti where the rest of that money at and, and wouldn't you think with all the tragedies that's coming out that they have a surplus that they don't even need to get more money? Yeah, yeah. That they, they can just kind of go in? We don't have hurricanes and tornadoes like that on the regular that Red Cross is required. Because it, like, right now we have the wildfires in, yeah. in Southern California. Most of the people who are going to be affected by that are not going to be supplemented by the Red Cross. Exactly. And then you have situations where... Um, how about if those folks don't have flood insurance, right? Then the fact that I'm hearing that regardless of the um, the hurricane, folks who've lost their homes, some of these, the, the renters are still saying, hey, I need my you rent. still got to pay rent because the, <laughs> so just to touch on that. So it, because some people like, in case you know how it goes, in most of those cases, there is a flood insurance, which is owned by the property. Because if you live in an area that gets hit regularly. It's kind of like some places that make you carry fire insurance because if you live in an area where it always has fire or tornado insurance where there's always a tornado. Like a lot of those areas, the homes are even built, raised up off the ground because it floods so regularly. Yeah. So you get flood insurance. Now that being said, even if you've got flood insurance, that doesn't mean the hurricane hits you on Monday. The water is now subsiding on Tuesday that somebody's cutting you a check on Wednesday. That means you got to start filing claims. And when you start talking about hundreds of thousands of people filing claims, you won't be there for a while. And if you rent, none of that is relevant to you. Mm-hmm. All that has to do with the person who owns the property. Yep. You still made a deal to rent. Just like if you got, if you got a car note and your car is underwater, mm-hmm. uh, your finance company is still looking for you to make that payment. Yeah. They don't just sit there and say, well, well, do you have flood insurance on your car? Yeah. OK, well, your insurance company is going to settle up with you. But right now, uh, you got to come see me about this payment. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of people who are like, well, I lost everything. I shouldn't have to go. Well, you know, them are the breaks. It's called reality. It's called the American way. It's called capitalism. It's called people don't give two dams about your struggle. And that's the unfortunate part about all of this. You get to see the ugly greed, get to see the ugliness as much as you want to see the heroism, as much as you want to hear the good vibes, the good stories, I really don't think that with tragedy, we should always highlight these things as if it's out of human nature. Because in human nature, I wouldn't care if it was a racist bleeding on the streets. I would help the person. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. just me being a human being, right? Yeah. It's not the fact that he probably would call me the N-word after I fix him after up. After you get him exactly. to the inside. Yeah. As a human being... That's just my nature. Now, it'd be a, diff- a little bit different if, you know, we were on full engaged war. I'd probably let that dude dying on the streets. But if if it's just a, a simple situation, someone got hit by the car, I'm not going to just, oh, he's he's a racist, 
I'm just going to let him bleed to death on the streets. Now, what I just don't understand how we continually to kind of go through the same line of communication and organizations when it comes to this thing, right? I, I thought it was communicated already that Red Cross already just put the whammy boom on Haiti. So how are we sitting there continuing to give Red Cross money? Yeah, well, they're not the front runner for a lot because there are a lot of people who bring that up. So Red Cross isn't the only place that people are donating to. And, and what I would suggest for that is, is if you're somebody who's not sure uh, to research different stuff for yourself, that doesn't mean, oh, well, I heard that there's some corrupt places. So after everybody, you know, I don't give I ain't gonna help nobody out. Uh, the better thing is to find people locally where that where that stuff happens. Like if you say Houston in particular, there are a lot of organizations based out of Houston, the, you know, where the people are physically at and the stuff that they physically need. And if you find get in touch with those places, it may take you two phone calls or you may have to do three Google searches, you know, but you can figure out where the people are and you can kind of dial direct because a lot of those we start talking about global entities. There's a lot of layers. There's a lot of people. And that's where a lot of that money gets broken up. But when you dial direct, you can get a lot of that stuff directly into the hands and, and drop off places and people that you can talk to per firsthand who can help you where it comes to assisting folks. Well, that's that's my thing. I, I think that we need to um, learn from the mistake of, you know, others and other situations that we can't keep on dialing in to the same organizations. And then after the aftermath, these organizations get rich and we have. The same situation that happened in Katrina, the same situation that happened in all these other different tragic events. People are not, all the people are not getting their needs met. And I honestly believe when you think about it in a standard of just being a good human being, if some shit like this happens, you know, like, you know, someone's not trying to not pay rent because they don't got the money. They not paying rent because damn, they don't got the house, they don't got the property. Yeah. Well, that's the there stuff. has to be some kind of law put in effect that gives people some some time to not only grace grieve, period. grace period, figure it out, or just you know, shit, take take the ownership or whoever's gonna have to take a loss and have to deal with their insurance themselves. You can't ask people, hey, by the way, I understand that this house that I own is underwater but i still need you to pay yeah because the cold piece about that is is because the welcome to the wonderful capitalism is that if you're a renter in the home and you're like hey man i my i can't even go to work because my job is gone like my job was flooded like not only was my home gone but where i go to make money doesn't exist anymore either how am i supposed to come up with your rent your landlord is going to say i don't know what to tell you because that's what the bank is telling me because I, I got a six-figure loan out on this property, mm -hmm. and they don't care about my sad story any more than I care about yours. Their sense of humanity is no longer here. I don't think people act as if things happen to them. You know, we live in a, a age where it's so about the bottom line of what a person is getting compared to looking at the scope of what individuals are getting or going through. It's humanity we don't look at it in the lens that we used to look at it. Maybe we never did. Maybe it's I'm getting older and I'm seeing this and I'm more in tune where before in the day I didn't give a damn about certain yeah. things because I lived how I used to live. But now I'm more focused and seeing like, wow, we we honestly live like animals. We, we are like survival of the fittest. I mean, you know, hey, 
fuck your house, you know, fuck your couch, and it's, well, it's if you're drowning out, that's not my problem because I got the life, uh, you know, the the, the life. What I got the life, life preservers, and I'll sell you one, and I'll sell you. Exactly, <laughs> I'll sell you. I one. mean, this shit is crazy. It's like, how do you? My, I've always tripped out how, you know, in tragedy, like when you remember 9-11, yeah. that big fiasco, that big, big fix, that big um, theater, you had America being sold. And when I say America being sold, that the premise of the big sell was proud to be American, that American dream, that America strong. And yeah. they literally sold that. I mean, t-shirts, they sold t-shirts, flags. All that, flags. Yeah. I mean, the NYPD, the firefighters, yeah. at that particular time, especially with NYPD, you could not tell me that not every single kid wanted to be a, a, a New York Superman. police department. Um, True justice yeah. in the American way. And NYPD. then turn around, flip it a few years later, stop several years later, it's stop and frisk. It's, uh, it's, I would not dare even put on a blue, uh, a blue uniform by them, and, and they're the most corrupt uh, organization aside to the other corrupt organizations here on this west coast it just trips me out how we and society view each other in the moments where we should be embracing each other and and then even when we embrace each other in this moment how we're going to go back on to like forget that flood ever happened and forget the fact that i got you out of of um your your, your drowning uh, uh pool and saved you or got you out of your home that was flooded now we're back to being arch enemies just it just trips me out man well because i think something that's important that we have to look at is that people have their own agenda and so there are people who will help you with one hand while they pick in your pocket with the other that's what it is you know there are people who will project one persona for a particular reason and then say what they really think about you as soon as you leave the room, mm-hmm. like the, the fact that most people move with their own agenda. So like like one thing kind of hit the news today, shifting gears, not nothing, nowhere near on the tragedy side, but uh, addressing a dude who's addressing the issues that are going on. Uh, one brother, Colin, mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick, who's been, you know, out there speaking, speaking hard about the injustices of people, how they are treated, people of color by law enforcement. And he's had one dude that kind of in particular has just had a wild rager for him that's just been going hard for him. And that's, uh, you know, <laughs> Jason Whitlock. Man, that dude got a hard on for this guy. He man. do. And and why I, I address him kind of going off of how we have these different tragedies is, is that this is somebody who has promoted the idea of, if you are familiar with the old Jason Whitlock, mm-hmm. The old Jason Whitlock used to forever get in trouble because he was, quote unquote, too black for TV and too Mm. black for print. Mm. Like he used to go hard in the paint on topics and he used to be, you know, he he used to be kind of like that dude. Mm -hmm. And so when he started kind of first addressing some Colin stuff, it was kind of like, okay, well, maybe it was, you know, maybe he just had a different perspective. Maybe Mm -hmm. he's just doing good journalism and pointing another point of view, you know, whatever. But. Before we lead up to what he just did now, this is the same dude that in the last three weeks has been on one side. You know, he was known for talking about, you know, blackness. Mm-hmm. Then he came out. He was the one who said that uh, the Kyrie LeBron issue, mm-hmm. how he was saying that Kobe talked Kyrie into it because he wanted to hurt LeBron's legacy. Mm-hmm. 
You know, then he turned around and came out, you know, when Aaron Rodgers supported Colin Kaepernick, he said, well, if Aaron Rodgers really supported him, Colin Kaepernick would be a Green Bay Packer. Mm-hmm. You know, after that, he was, you know, he said, you know, Cap isn't a role model. He's an attention whore. Like, just really just kind of chipping away at this dude's character. And it, and we even went as far as today to come out, I guess, some new show that Fox Sports gave him. How he had a a Caucasian man come out with a with a black afro wig and a black glove on, <laughs> putting the putting the fist up in the air and said, "Oh, I was glad that Cap finally made it on the show." Mm. You know, really doing a throwback to what they you know the the blackface kind of thing. Except mm-hmm. the dude didn't have to put it on because Colin's so fair skinned. But different agendas. How you want to come out and say that you 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 ride for your people. But you are the dude who constantly puts your people down. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to come out and say that I'm about, you know, well, let, let's look at stuff for what it is. And, and, and let's let, let, let's, you know, let's let's be upfront. Let's be men about stuff. But everything you do is petty, childish and backstab. Mm. You know what are we saying stuff to these types of individuals who are just duplicitous by nature. These dudes out here who are just two faced. These folks out these folks out here who are just saying one thing and moving a completely different way. Negroes like this, aka silly Negroes, Negro peens, are those folks that when it comes down to the judgment where it comes down to um the black civil war that has to happen probably before the uh, uh civil war altogether in this in this country, uh, I will have the pleasure of of taking them out. Because they um, hold no weight. They're very destructive in the nature of what position they have and the platform that they have. They seem to poke fun of individuals that are laying their life on a line with certain things that these individuals wouldn't dare come and try to do because they're sitting in a nice lap of luxury on the couch of uh, white supremacy and daddy daycares taking care of them. And in the nature of total disrespect for your own and betrayal to pretend as if Colin Kaepernick is some attention whore, as if he didn't have attention before he felt fell off a grace of being that um, athlete that could have been had things worked in his favor. One of the one of the elite quarterbacks, one of the elite athletes at the time, um, if his coaches stayed and, and, and certain things happen with the 49ers. I mean, things just kind of ran its course. But within that two, three year period, I mean, Colin Kaepernick was the guy. Yeah. Right? He definitely was one of those dudes. Cover I mean, magazine, I'm cover guy, sports was definitely dude, going to, like, He was yeah. one of the faces that the NFL was moving towards. Right. Yeah. Um, it just it seems juvenile. It seems um, a little bit disrespectful. And it also seems that, damn, you got a real vendetta against this guy. Um, previous to what's happened that is just now showing your your um, your anger, your conflictions towards this person. And what you're really doing to yourself is you're putting yourself in a very uncomfortable position that a lot of black men seem to do and black women, but mostly black men, where you're making so much fun of your fellow brother, your fellow sister to the point where, yes, you're getting the accolades and you're getting applauded by the supremacists and all other individuals that think like you but when shit hits the fan you're gonna come back to this blackness i've watched it i've seen it we've seen it play out before and usually 
those individuals like uh, Whitlock end up on the wrong side of the fence. So I pray that this brother is covered on that end. But I just really think that at this particular time, if Colin ain't talking about you, and I understand you have to report it on a perspective of a reporter doing your job, it gets to a point when you're being disrespectful. If somebody hurts you or somebody comes at you or gets at you on a level where you're not ready for, can you really be mad at them? And that's the type of thing that I think that sometimes people push it to to the next level. Bringing out a white guy with a jersey and an afro and putting the fist up, that does not only disrespect Colin Kaepernick, that disrespects individuals like myself and others that are not only fighting, talking, and walking that walk, but have also died who contributed to all of these things that has given you a privilege to be in the position where you're at. I think those are the things that I think sometimes individuals in these positions where they're talking that bullshit, they forget. The reason why you can even speak this bullshit on any level is because people sacrifice their lives to get you that position. And when I watch that over and over again and no one really checks that to the pulse of, hey, brothers, by the way, while y'all going so hard on this individual, remember protesting, remember standing up, remember speaking out, laying on the line has allowed you this benefit for you to even have this platform. Let's not forget about that. Yeah, because we have we do have those brothers out there who who do voice and and I definitely give them their nod and their appreciation. I don't think it I, and I know we have a few, but I don't think it's enough. And at the same particular time, isn't it ironic how um, certain platforms just allow individuals just to kind of go for theirs. But then when it's a more touchier subject or a subject that affects other individuals, uh, other groups, I, I know when um, and we're just going to use Stephen A. Smith. I remember when Stephen A. Smith was talking about domestic abuse and then one of his co, uh, uh, um, you know, his co-workers spoke out on it. Something that she broke a code or a rule that was written that you can't say some things about someone on social media or whatever. And he came and apologized about that. Yeah. Right. It just seems like when it comes to black issues, you say whatever the hell you want to say. It doesn't matter if it offends black well, people. Well, that's why I was, that's why I was starting with saying that there are dudes who do address stuff because he works for the same network that Colin Coward works at the same network that uh, Shannon Sharp and, and Skip Bayless work at Fox Sports. And so when He's notoriously on. He'll do, you know, uh, he'll do the show, and it'll be Colin. It'll be uh, there'll be a panel of different dudes out there. He is usually the only dude like that. Like there'll be other brothers out there who oh, he he religiously gets the side eye, you know, when he's out there talking. And when this came out about having the the white dude out there in, in the Colin jersey, uh, Shannon Sharp first one who went to social media talking about, you know, this is unacceptable. You know, this needs to be something that's. Uh, you know, taking care of in-house amongst the network, and then we gonna address this publicly, and hopefully they let me get in on this on the show tomorrow. You know, brothers who who are really quick to sit there, and, and Shannon pretty sharp, and you know, no pun intended, but he, he pretty quick on draw. But what I look at is is that for the Jason Whitlocks out there, uh, there are more of them showing up, and you know, you got the Ray Lewis's popping out, you got former players who who are all jumping on this bandwagon of tap dancing mm. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and the reason why I say that is because I think because and, and I also want to preface this too. Two black people can have a difference of opinion, and it, it, but it doesn't make one of them a coon or a sellout because two black men disagree. Yeah, I mean we disagree all the time. Yeah, but I'm saying, but that just to preface and that I because I haven't called you a coon yet. No, but there's a lot of people who who say that or a silly nigga. If, not about me, but if or they say, opinion. but if they, if you have two two uh, different points of view, obviously one's got to be black, the other one's got to be a sellout. That's not the case. There, there are times that there are multiple ways of seeing stuff and addressing stuff, and by sheer virtue of disagreeing, that doesn't make a dude a sellout. The fact of the matter is, you can disagree with with a Colin Kaepernick protest, and that in itself doesn't make you, in my eyes, selling out. Mm-hmm. Now, the way that you go about that, and, and where and how you address it, and then your personal track record is what I factor in. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're gonna tell me that this dude is he, you know, he's a distraction and he's he, he's bad for the brand and he's not the type of dude that needs to be speaking up. But you coming off of rape charges, beating kids and, and beat a murder rap. That's when I'm going to look at you sideways. Mm. I'm not going to even call you a coon. I'm going to look at you saying, like, who the hell is you to talk about this dude? Uh, but when we have all these different guys starting to come out. If if Colin was a guy who was trying to get back in the league for 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 dog fighting like Vic or for. Hitting somebody, you know, the drunk driving type thing or, or domestic violence abuse. I would put him in a particular category. But when you come after a guy whose only platform is trying to shed light on the the disproportionate way that people of color are, are being treated by law enforcement, that's his issue. <laughs> like like that, that, that that's the base of his issue. When you have come after his character, come after his mentality, come after his girlfriend, a significant other, you come after all aspects of his life, critique everything about him. When that's his point, like I said, if you want to come after one of these other dudes, if you wanted to roast Mike Vick, fine. Because to me, Mike Vick was stupid for getting caught up in that. Yeah, for sure. For running. You want to roast Jamarcus Russell, got a $70 million contract deal but he wanted to be you know the codeine kingpin mm-hmm. slang and cough syrup you want to roast that dude go right ahead mm-hmm. but when your whole thing is your whole platform is coming after a dude whose whole intent was to shed light on the fact that in his interpretation of what he sees what he hears and what he knows that people of color are treated differently and disproportionately arrested convicted and really just effed with by law enforcement I can't see why all these other men of color are, are that's the guy you come after. Yeah, for real. I just, I, I mean, it really breaks me up when I watch this coon shit. It really, what you broke down about what we stand up for as black yeah. people compared. We, st- we still defend Ray Rice. Yeah, or what we stand up for, 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 for with black people compared to what we truly should stand up for, it boggles my mind. We could spend hours and hours vilifying a Colin Kaepernick for why he should, why he could, if he did or why he wouldn't, but then particularly be really in the middle between me saying R. Kelly is a fucking pervert and someone else saying, well, he's a pervert, but he makes good music and I'm still going to support him. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, oh, Kel still sells out. This dude just pissed on like young girls. He's been known uh, stories of him. Ch- I just met a girl in Chicago saying, "Yeah, that he's shit, a predator. He's a predator." 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? I ain't know this girl from from you know from Adam's aunt. She's like, yo, this dude's been wilding. But yet and still Colin Kaepernick, it's black people are divided. And when you look at the scope of some of these individuals and their their track record and the things that they're saying, and the fact that we're still having this issue talking about it, and the fact that Colin Kaepernick is not a Tim Tebow, he's actually a good quarterback. Yeah. And the fact that you got Jay Cutler, who is a bad quarterback and never made the Super Bowl, and he has a job, you really have to ask yourself, wow, have we come to this point to where black people will cross the line with each other in front of company any any given Sunday? Um, black folks don't know how to support each other in moments, even if they don't agree fully, they will sit there and be silent and that the fact that as long as you put a check in some Negro's pocket, a Negro will tap dance, a Negro will dance, a Negro will uh, uh, do the boogaloo, a Negro will put a black face, He'll a step Negro in the name will of step love. in the name of mother effing <laughs> love, a Negro will sell out his brother and his sister and his mama who stole that Woolworth before he was born to the police. It's just a sad moment when we have more bitch ass Negroes compared to more stand-up-ass Negroes and these bitch-ass Negroes, they seem to forget that the fact that men had to be men at a particular time when white folks didn't want Negroes to even play in these sports, but yet and still, they they move across when a man, and when they can see the light of what it is, maybe you being an elitist, it doesn't fall into your... Um, your area, because you're no longer in that population, you know, you kind of moved up to the echelons of, of, of blackness, wherever that is, but it affects individuals and us as a people, when we have folks that can make and draw some attention, it's up to them because they did it before to say, man, enough is enough. Yes, I know I'm an athlete. Yes, I know I'm making money. Yes, I'm making millions and people are watching me, but I have a duty to sit there and speak upon things that are my folk are suffering. Because I know if I didn't have this helmet, the same thing would be happening to me. I applaud that. But what I don't applaud is the reverse of that. That folks acting as if this guy or any individual, whether it's a man or woman, when they stand up to what we know is real injustice, that they get ridiculed, they get clowned. It's almost like a comedy show. And for Fox... To just allow that, like it's not offending some black folks like myself, that in particular really pisses me the fuck off. Because it's just like when I see a Jason Whitlock, just like I saw a Tommy Stoudemire or whatever Stoudemire or whatever the fuck that prick his name is, I will approach them and it's not going to be a, hey, I like what you're doing. I'm going to approach them and be like, you dudes are fucking up some shit and I want to yeah. fuck you up. Because I, sorry I, for saying so many goddamn fucking cuss okay. words, but I'm fucking pissed off because Negroes got it. If it's not now, when we unite and figure this shit out, when will it be? Okay, because I I, I think something. First off, to, to clear up one thing, what it pertains to him, because you hear the arguments of Colin was willing to, to give up his career for for the struggle. Like if he never throws another football for for a professional team. He, he knew that after it got to the point to where I mean, I don't think he knew it day one when he started talking, but he realized it a few weeks in that he might he might have just paid for his involvement in the struggle with the cost of his career. The, the, the argument is not his ability to play. 
when you talk about like a Jay Cutler or you talk about one of these other guys who've got jobs because there is no dispute in the anyone who even halfway follows football on any level that Colin Kaepernick is, is, is not in the top 40 quarterbacks that are currently have jobs. Mm-hmm. 32 who are starting and then you start going backups. There, there's no way that there are, you know, 90 dudes who are better than him who currently have jobs at the quarterback position. And that for people who say that, well, you know, he's not good enough to, to play. The reason why that doesn't hold up either is because out of all the teams that he's met with, the Seattle Seahawks, the Baltimore Ravens, all these teams who considered him, Colin Kaepernick has not thrown a ball since last year for a professional team. Like, he hasn't worked out with any team. So teams have interviewed him. They've talked to him, flown out there, had different meetings in a suit and tie. Mm. Like, he hasn't taken the field for anybody. So the argument is not, is he good enough to play? Mm. Because as soon as you put him on the field, you then have to to address if that's not the case. Mm. If you suit him up and he plays and he's... dancing the ball on a string he's putting it everywhere it needs to be if his physical attributes are not an issue then you have to say what it is Mm -hmm. so that's why nobody's working him out so it is already assumed that we're not addressing his physical play it's the stance he took so all these guys who were in football know that as well all these guys who work desk jobs at fox at espn they know he has not worked out for any team so you know it can't be because a, a team said we tried him out you know, he was throwing interceptions. He was throwing the ball in the dirt. Uh, his cardio wasn't there. He's not a good look for our team. We never even got to that point, and we're not going to because of the other stuff surrounding him. So we're saying that it's the stance he took and the stuff that comes along with it while we're not messing with him. So if you're one of these brothers out there who are who are getting these desk jobs or former players, you know that too. <laughs> so <laughs> I, You know what? I honestly, I had an argument with a uh, – like earlier before the shit got real heavy with some guy in a barbershop and he literally was like, nah, because he's a weak quarterback. And I was just looking at him. I was like, dude, you, come on, bro. Like, seriously. Joe Webb, Mark Sanchez, Mark Barkley. Uh, there's a whole lot of dudes out there who, who should who should be sweeping up hair in a barbershop, not collecting a check for as an NFL quarterback who were in the league. Like I said, you can go across the board. Player, current players, current teams uh, nobody is saying his talent is not like there are currently this is before the first game starts roughly 90 signed quarterbacks in the nfl Mm. across 32 teams 90 guys there is no way in hell you can convince anybody who follows football on any level he's number 91 Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean like it's just not and so that's not the reason why but my point is is for for the dudes out there and, and there's some women too but for but for the people who, who are, if you say you about this, but when we watch what you do, you're about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like don't tell me that, that you about the struggle, but everything that you do is constantly putting putting your people down. No, they're, they're, not, they're not a part of the struggle. You know what I'm saying? Like, your, your, your thing is, man, I love women, but every time I listen to you talk, it's bitch this, hoe that. You know, they need to, you know, eh, I mean, I support my brothers. Ain't ish this, 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 and all you do is put them down. So I'm just talking about when we think about how people are moving, mm. you know, the people that we deal with, whether they be, you know, the organizations out there who say they're about helping out, you know, people in need. When they're about that religious life, whether it be the Quran, whether it be the Bible, whether it be, you know, beads or whatever. And you say you're about peace, love and helping out your fellow man. But when the opportunity presents itself, 
up. There's no room at the end. Not at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, like when we start look saying stuff to those folks out there who really just ain't about that life, how <laughs> do we start addressing them or do we even address them at all? I think that after a while, it gets old addressing those who won't change. But I feel that sometimes you have to address because if you don't address certain individuals in their platform because they can um, influence so many other people just with a snap of a finger we become silenced to their ignorance but i believe that we have to be um loud as the ignorance speaks and give a volume of truth and also give people the the alternative to whatever fuckery that they're speaking on and i always feel like you must speak truth to power i've been in so many different positions where i know folks were going this way that i went the exact opposite because truth has to be spoken truth is truth i just had a, a perfect example of that. I just was at a um, press conference and we were talking about the violence in the community and, and everyone was, you know, sugarcoating things and how we all need to get together. And I just basically flat out said it's like the unfortunate part about this whole thing is if kids can get guns before they get jobs and opportunity, that's a problem. No one wanted to touch upon that back behind me. There was a group of leadership, but also behind the group of leadership, there's like this great um, community being built, like on the other side, right? And here we are in, in the middle of the hood. And I had to sit there and say that what you see right there, and folks can see the opportunity. They can see the lights. They can see all the stuff that's going on on the other side. I said, by you looking, you see there's no opportunity there, but you see opportunity there. That's a problem. Walking down the street and going uh, like a three miles to a grocery store, that's a problem. If I don't have a car, that's an issue. When you are in positions where you have to speak truth that no one else is speaking, you must say it because it's something that needs to be heard. We don't need to constantly hear the side of the wrong that feel they are right. We have a, 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 a moment right now where a lot of people are sick and tired of the rhetoric, they're sick and tired of the smoke screen, they're sick and tired of the sugar-coated bullshit, and they're sick and tired of individuals leading them astray. So it's important. I always express myself, and I'm telling other people, express yourself genuinely, express yourself with um, good information, and articulate the things that you need to say. And sometimes if you can't articulate it right, just say something, just like this podcast says, say something. Because if we don't, more of the bullshit is going to continue to ride down on us. And it, it's going to be unstoppable unless we say something about it. Okay, because I think that that sets up nicely into how we got into one particular situation where we are. Um, Donnie, T, Don, Donnie J. Trump. Oh, wait, wait, young Donald? A.K.A. Uh, Dolt 45. Uh, and A.K.A. the pussy grab, huh? Yeah. So we got the guy who done something again. Well, the thing about him is that I think the the major, you know, like what steam he, he do, got right? was because he is just that. Not a lot of smoke screen. Not a lot of, you know, I'm I'm all about this, but I'm really about that. And I and 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 just not to cut you off, but I appreciate that as much as I look at him and I say, man, we're in an effed position. Out of all the presidents we've ever had. He is honest and I can appreciate the honesty. I can appreciate him just saying 
and just showing, not just saying, but just showing us how he feels where other presidents before even Obama, they put this nice, colorful show and pictures. And next thing you know, we're getting freaking pillaged. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're getting yeah. done up. We're getting stuck with the knife. So with him, somebody who's been very direct since the campaign trail about his views on illegal immigrants, on his views on what he felt the basis of crime is, on on the problems that he feels, you know, make America great again. In uh, in a solo campaign to try to read to undo everything his predecessor did, he's on a, on a full fledged campaign to undo every policy that former President Barack Obama put in place in his eight years. And this is the dude who is not like the people we've been speaking about before. He's not sitting there saying, "Oh no, I love everybody who's in America." All right, now let's deport them. You know, I I, I think that everything is cool. Could lock all them up. Like he's been pretty consistent about the type of duty he is, the type of stance that he takes. So now on the other side of the game, where it's not a question of dudes out here selling wolf tickets, we got a dude out here who who about that life. So now we got a guy, uh, if you're not familiar with the policy he pushed forward now that everybody's kind of addressing is the, the DACA situation. And if you're not familiar with what that is, that's the deferred action for childhood arrivals. Meaning these are the kids, these are illegal immigrant children who came over with a relative or, or, you know, if it wasn't their mom or dad, they came over with uncle or maybe they just came over. One man or woman was making it to America. And sometimes some some cultures, they just send children with one adult. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Reggie figured out a way to get to America here. I can't go, but take my son so he can be there and parents say goodbye to their children in some cases never see him again you know and so under the obama administration it was a deferred deportation meaning if it was found out that you were a a child when you got here and you were a legal immigrant they just not gonna automatically send you back because there may be no one to send you back to Mm. so they would say okay we're gonna defer we're gonna give you opportunities for two-year renewable um kind of like a visa you, you can you can hang out for we'll, we'll delay it two years. And in that process, you can go through the proper paperwork and you can get an eligibility for a work permit. So simplified out is we have some people who are 17 illegal immigrants and have been here since they were one. Mm. You know, and so it's like the only life they know is here. They don't have an accent. They don't speak the other language like they, they've only lived in America for everything that they can remember. But they weren't physically born here. So rather than say, OK, we're deporting you to Colombia where you came from. You're like, I don't even know nobody there. I don't even speak Spanish. Mm. Like <laughs> like I've been staying with the homie over here. I don't know nothing about that. Yeah. So the, the what, what what old Donnie T did. You know, he re, he he went back on on Obama's thing and we would get rid of DACA, meaning that anybody who was born anywhere else other than America, you could be deported today. Yeah. And what that looks like is about eight hundred thousand young young people can really just be sent back tomorrow. Is it, it, kind of what that would look like. I, I I just sometimes and you know when you think about it, Donald Trump like has done business with a lot of. You know, other nationalities, cultures, whatever. I mean, you know, he was bulk of his money. He was he was heavy in the black community. You know, ran with you know, uh, what's his name? Don you know, King. Don King. You know, the the King brothers, um, and just a lot of entertainers. I mean, you just just look down the list. I, I wonder how those folks are feeling, and at the same time, 
I wonder how a lot of, you know, black entertainers that was all, you know, we're going to meet with Donald Trump and Steve Harvey and, and Kanye and, 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 and all just that. figuring out Ray Lewis, of course, and just figuring out um, you know, what he is going to do for us. One thing that Donald Trump hasn't made good on is on um, what do you got to lose talking about black folks? Why not vote for me? Still trying to figure out what the, the, the loophole was going to be for us. Cause remember, yeah. we said, hey, what do you got? Ain't nobody else looking out for you. Yeah, exactly. They keep screwing you. So what? <laughs> it was a very uh, candid moment. Um, and in the same sense. Folks might say, hey, uh, we should have voted for Hillary or we should have um, voted for Bernie Sanders in in the same sense that I think this is all necessary. As much as I hate it for individuals, I feel it's all necessary because it's about time that we stop investing, one, in these corporations, excuse me, in corporations because the government is a corporation, right? We need to stop the investment because we've actually created our own monster by being so needy to like all of what this government has put out for us. We've we've kind of allowed them to dictate. And so now as we allow them to dictate when they decide to change up, we can't be upset when they want to change up because this is what we've allowed. We've allowed the rules to be in place because we have not moved against it and the unfortunate part i've said it before after they get done terrorizing black folk what do you feel and who do you feel they're going to come after next that i mean folks have to understand when black people are going through the fights and the oppression and the things that we've gone through from the beginning to the end of being in america do you guys honestly believe that sitting back watching us get brutalized and getting terrorized and and getting destroyed and being raped and, and having our history stolen and and these ghettos being created where we flourished at one particular time and every time we do something they take five steps back from us after we walk two steps forward you don't think that they're going to finally get tired and say all right we're done with them we got them where we need them who's next this is all predicated to us not standing in unity to fight the fight for all people oppressed now it's this. So I, I would love to see how this whole thing plays out. Well, I think that this is a, a case of so going along with what you're saying, historically that happens. So when you look at, OK, well, there's a struggle that goes on with black people and simultaneously, they did, you know, they did, they did not miss a beat when they did Japanese internment camps. Like if, if you think that, you know, they can own that the system can only deal with one group of people at a time. Because when they were sitting there messing with black folks and all of a sudden there was the threat from from the war coming from out of Japan, they rounded up Asians like like a cowboy does, you know, uh, uh, cows or wild horses, whatever. They went door to door, rounded up Asians and put them in internment camp prisons without hesitation or batting an eyelash. Mm. You know, that th- this country is very good about dealing with who they want to deal with. You know, th- one thing America can do is multitask. Mm-hmm. You know, Uncle Sam could screw multiple people at a time. Uh, and when it comes to, you know, the, the, the coming together aspect and about seeing what stuff really is, that's true. It's not going to be like, OK, well, we just going to deal with you and all y'all are going to be all right over here. Uh, no. Yeah. Everybody's going to get dealt with accordingly. I think that where we're at, too, is, is that where we've gotten ourselves into in this system, we are the renters of the home that's in the flood. <laughs> 
So when the house gets flooded and the landlord is like, I don't care about your situation. Rent's due on the first. We're not in a position to do anything about that. Mm. You know, when you the homeowner, you know, you could defer a few payments, Mm -hmm. you know, wait till this flood insurance kick in, call some audibles, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, I may just have to let this house go. Mm -hmm. You ain't coming to get it. So, you know, we're going to have to pull some hat tricks. We're going to make some moves. When you're the renter in that house, your stuff is gone. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like it's over for you. It's a wrap. There's no recovery. There's, There's no nothing. And I think that we keep staying in that position where we're the renter of the home that's flooded. Yeah, because we believe that those folks um, that's renting us the home is going to do the right thing and come, you know, fix it, come help us or look at our situation and say, oh, you know what? You're flooded. I understand it. Here's here's what we're going to do. See, the the word that I would look at is is the right thing. (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, and and I mean, I mean, because I think we at this society look at it through a moral compass uh, at, of, at, at a real human lens well, yeah. say, of a system that is not morally based. Mm. So if, if you look at something through a moral prism, a moral eyeglass, moral glasses, moral lenses of an immoral situation, mm-hmm. you are going to constantly find yourself hurt, frustrated, uh, annoyed, uh, and, and, and on some ways just depressed. Because you keep looking for the morality in a room where it don't exist. It doesn't exist at all. So in this system, it is. Yeah, I know. I understand you lost everything. I understand your job is gone. I understand every last cent you had you're using to stay somewhere else every day. So you're not sleeping in a shelter with 10,000 other people. I get that. You rent a room in the next city over so you and your family can eat regular stuff. Uh, but I'm still going to need that rent on the first. Yeah. <laughs> That's the system <laughs> that we live in. I, 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 I get it. No, 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 no. See, this is not a comprehension issue. I understand what you're telling me. I just don't care. And not only that, I don't care. If I did it for you, then I'd have to do it for all them. Yeah. And even if and and this is in a capitalist society, even if I did it for you, that means I'm screwing myself because the system, just like I can't show you mercy because I need that rent from you. The system ain't showing me that bank needs the check from me because that bank is a base of an immoral system. Mm. That bank don't care. Mm. That bank don't care. I can't come to the bank talking about, hey, man, my tenant. The flood hit. They can't come up with rent, so I don't have the mortgage. So and uh, remember, and remember, while folks want to sit there and talk about our great president, former President Obama, under his regime, uh, uh, the one percent continued to grab ninety-five percent of the, the wealth, and and one of the people that he helped bail out was those beautiful banks. Oh yeah, the you know because we, we 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 couldn't let the banks fail. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, I, you know I, what I'm I, saying? I, I get it, I, and I would have loved. To allow them to fail, it would have been a moment. But sometimes, in order to rebuild, you must destroy. Yeah, you we- must let everything disintegrate and say, "Let's start over again with some different players, with some new outlook." Because when you think about it, in the same sense of what is going on, all these things that are happening are all protected. By constitutional laws that have been written for years and years that don't even really make sense now because so much has changed in this world. So much has changed here in America. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a different feel. I mean, individuals don't see things the same way some of our uh, predecessors have felt or 
things are just different. So now when you look at it on a scope, it's like we have to create change within this system because it's just not working for people, man. Yeah, it, and it's it's worked for those who it's always worked for, yeah. and it doesn't for those whom it never has. Because it's, it's, it's you're trying to adjust to something that doesn't feel right. Yeah, you keep trying to put this circle through the square peg. And as long as that's the case, like I think that you know, we we look at all the people who are in this society who are who are basing their career, their livelihood, their following all this on a certain narrative, saying that they a certain kind of person, mm-hmm. saying that they about a certain kind of life, saying that they that this is what they do, this is what they about, this is what they care about. But it's got to go into looking at what people do, mm-hmm. and looking at what people do in big moments. And if you're somebody who you know, you, you want to buy into what they say. Man, they say they're all about helping the people. And when the first opportunity comes to help the people, they're nowhere to be found. Well, they showed you who you are, who they are. And I'm a firm believer in that when people show you who they are, that you believe them. Mm. And that we've got a lot of people out here who do a whole lot of talking. And we mm. always address saying something. But you also got not just talk about something, but you got to be about something. And when we see folks who ain't what they say they are. And don't walk the path that they say that they about and, and don't live that life that they promote and advertise on TV. That's when we need to hold them to the fire. And that's when we need to say something. Definitely need to say something. Eight hundred thousand folks. <laughs> like yeah, this whole lot. Eight hundred thousand folks going to be. Uh, bye. It, I, you know, shouts out to everybody that's fighting injustice. Um, continue to fight. Continue to resist. I don't know what this resistance is going to really look like because I think our backs are against the wall. But what I look at just to end off is that what's being created is something that's going to bring in martial law, right? Because you want to create chaos so we can say, hey, we have chaotic situation. Let's bring in the troops so we can, you know, clamp on some folks a little bit more. But in the same time, we got war on the horizon. So we got a lot of shit going on. Yeah, there's a lot of reconstruction that's going to be going on. There's a Say Something podcast. Where can folks find you online to get more riveting conversation and info like this? Oh, with Barry Axius at Facebook, Barry Axius on Twitter, and at Team Voy. Team Voy on Instagram, and of course, Black Blueprints with a Z.com. I'm Jermaine Morris on Facebook. Every other social media platform it is at J Morris CEO. Any events going on you want to say to the people? Um, Probably a whole bunch of events. I'll be in San Diego in um, November. I'll be um, in October, the Boyce Watkins Conference, and also um, the Black Power Awards. You should come with me to the Black Power Awards. Might have to check that out. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. I'm Jermaine Morris. here with Barry Axis. This is the Say Something Podcast. Yes, sir. And until next show, yee! we will holler at you later. <laughs>